the what? WNRG podcast where there are no rules and we don't know the right Facts answer. Facts are optional. You, I like yes, that. You make up your own rules. <laughs> All right, let's get started. Hey there, listeners. Welcome to the official WNRG podcast. We believe the best knowledge is knowledge that is shared. Throughout our podcast journey, you'll hear advice from thought leaders, gain insight into areas of expertise other than your own, and hear the inspiring stories of others. This production is made possible by the dedication of our core team. I'm Tara DeLucia. I'm Carmen Pantoja Evans. And I'm Brittany Lemaire. We thought it might help to invite other Humana women to share their perspective and insight about their discoveries in the workplace. How do they manage their home life? How do they manage their work life? And how do they balance health and well-being? That's why we wanted to start this podcast. We are looking forward to hearing what topics are important to you. You can share your thoughts on our WNRG Buzz page or by tagging us, hashtag WNRG Podcast Series. Welcome to the WNRG podcast. I'm excited to introduce Josh Begley, who is a colleague of mine. Josh, thank you for being here, and why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do at Humana? Well, I've been with Humana. Uh, July will be my 10-year anniversary here. Um, I'm currently in a role of a health services manager like Tara, um, and we oversee the um, clinical staff that go out and see our members in the long-term in-home program. Uh, so um, my direct reports are nurses and social workers uh, across the Mid-South and the Mid-Atlantic. Awesome. Well, let's jump into some of the questions we have for you. Um, let's start off with this question. So how do you see the role of the male ally helping to promote equality in the workplace? Well, I think as an ally in in this workplace at Humana, there's a lot of different avenues you could take to be to promote, um, you know, gender equality and, and all those things that go along with that, uh, with the women's NRG. Um, first thing I think is just encourage and promote that this type of group and, and this type of resource is available for, for anyone who wants to uh, participate. Um, I know when I first heard about the NRGs with, uh, the women's NRG and, uh, I think the LGBTQ NRG, um, I initially thought that only folks who were in that population could participate, and that's not the case. Um, so um, encouraging my my fellow, my associates, my peers, male and female, to participate and, and get those conversations going um, in, in their roles and in their interactions with each other. Absolutely. I feel that any time I talk about the NRGs in general or the WNRG, just because I have a leadership role with the WNRG and I feel so strongly and passionate about some of the issues that we face, I always try to also push all of our other NRGs because at the end of the day, we all serve the purpose of supporting inclusion and diversity. Mm -hmm. So I always kind of try to plug that just because you don't fit in whatever box of the title of this NRG, everyone can still join. So I think that's a really good point that you brought up. Yeah, and and one other thing is I was thinking about uh, some of the things I wanted to make sure to talk about um, is encouraging males in particular to have those conversations and and try to get a better idea of 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 the um, the experience of their female associates or peers. Um, you know, I I think you know we can all agree that that women in the workplace experience things totally different than men when it comes to certain issues. 
And it's not, um, you know, it's really not taboo to talk about that and make sure that, um, I mean, you know, if we can't talk about it and recognize there is a problem, then we're never going to be able to solve it. And, you know, it's a problem for uh, women historically, you know, not just uh, just in, in general. Um, if you just look at, at all the women's rights issues and, and employment-related stuff uh, throughout history, um, you know, it's, it's, it's everyone's responsibility to try and solve it. I love that. It is everybody's responsibility. And I love how you mentioned we have to bring these things to light. So we have mm-hmm. to talk about them um, as leaders, as individual contributors, and and not make it a taboo situation because mm-hmm. it, it is what it is. It's life. I mm-hmm. mean, this is we spend 40, 50 hours a week in this place, and we got to be able to talk about the things that, that make a difference and matter to us. Yeah. And, and my background is, is in social work, so that's kind of what I was I went through school for. Uh, and so looking at the way different populations are, uh, or the, the way they interact with society, um, and how that differs from my experience is something that's always been of interest to me. Um, and, you know, if you just, if you think about um, the way that even from some of those un- un- unconscious biases that we all have, uh, we have to be able to talk about those and, and really do like an internal assessment as to how we feel when it comes to certain things, not just with gender, but with race and, and all those different things. Um, you know, we, I, I probably think about this now more than that I have a little girl, but, you know, even at birth, you start getting pink stuff for, for girls mm-hmm. and, um, and and it steers them down a certain path. And you have to be, be willing to talk about um, how that impacts folks, even as they grow up and, and go out into the workplace. There are all these different underlying um, biases that everyone has, and we have to just be able to talk about them. So I'll give you, I'll give you a good um, story. So my 12-year-old daughter, one thing I always tell her is, you know, you're not bossy, you're a leader. You know, mm-hmm. so if she's, she is a little little bit of uh, telling people what to do. I don't know where she gets it from. <laughs> but I was at school the other day bringing her cupcakes for her birthday, and she was like, I was like, well, let's just do them now. I, you know, I got to go back to work or whatever. And she's like, no, you know, I want to do it on the, on the blacktop and da-da-da. I was like, all right, you got, you know, you're really particular about this. She's like, Mom, I'm not bossy. I'm just a leader. Mm-hmm. And I almost fell over. I was like, yeah. yes. That is great. And I'm guilty guilty of that myself. Even my little girl, I'm like, you know, I say, well, why are you being so bossy? But that – and then I catch myself. I'm like, I should should not be using that right. that language. Um, and, and just the other day we were on our way home from school and she said something about wanting to be um, like she was the queen or something like that. I said, why don't you want to be the king? And she said, well, kings are, are boys. And I said, well, that's that's just a role title. You can be that, you know. So, um, you know, it starts very early on mm-hmm. um, and – that's just something that, that we need to be aware of. And that's really good. I like that uh, you can just open up that conversation, even with your young daughter, and, and it just shows how much uh, we can appreciate you as an ally to support the Women's Network Resource Group and and uh, the female associates all along. So with that in mind, how have you increased the understanding of challenges women's face and the perspective of what they bring to the organization? Do you share this with your um, other uh, male friends or allies. Yeah, well, I try to, to to build the NRG discussion even with one of with my direct report to participate. Allow them to um, the time that they need um, on our team calls and our one on ones to talk about the work they're doing with the NRGs, and uh, give them really the, the autonomy to um, to reach out to 
um, my peers and even my direct reports and my indirect reports on, you know, how, how do you want to scale this message? How do you want to pull those others into that group? So I, I think the, the best thing I can do as a leader is promote uh, or, or give them the time and the resources they need um, and understand that, um, you know, it's, this is as important as some of the metrics that we meet. Uh, we have to be able to, you know, if the organization is giving us these resources to use, then um, then I've got to be able to uh, support that in the way that they want to do it. So, um, yeah, that starts with, with with just having open conversations with my associates about the work that's going on with the WNRG and encouraging my peers to participate. So, yeah, I think um, we, we going back to what I said before and what we talked about, you just can't be afraid of having these conversations. They're not they're not it's not a bad thing to be able to talk about these things. So that's kind of been a reoccurring theme for some of the other research and other podcasts I've listened to regarding women's rights or women's issues and some of the, I guess, lack of participation as far as male advocates and allies goes is the stigma with the word women um, and how that they're trying to overcome, you know, that word and then get more, you know, men involved, um, do you have any advice or tips for other men or things that we can maybe do better to be more inclusive for our male allies? Um, I think the biggest thing is just that awareness piece of the don't let the name of the NRG group throw you. This is something that everyone can participate in. Um, and that was probably the the biggest thing, the biggest thing that I didn't understand for a long time, even after the NRGs, um, you know, really kicked off, and and they're kind of, I feel like they're really ingrained in some of the work we do now. Um, you know, even um, in the very beginning, I didn't understand that, um, and so I kind of dismissed, put those to the side with all the other work I've got going on. Um, I was like, well, this isn't for me because I don't fall into one of these categories. So, you know, I'll encourage my associates to do it, but it doesn't fit fit what you know. I, I don't fall into one of those groups. Um, so, um, you know, once I found that out, um, then I'm much more likely to go in there and look and, and really sign up for the energies and, and be active with those in my area and everything. So um, that was, I guess, from the energy perspective is with the messaging is just make sure that it is very clear um, in the emails and the communications we get that this is open to anyone. And I, I, at the end of one of the presentations I did for MarketPoint, I threw a slide in that had Brad Pitt from Fight Club. And I was like, right. NRGs are like Fight Club, we, like are the opposite of Fight Club. Talk about us. Tell everyone about us. So mm-hmm. that's kind of how I eventually hope everyone looks to see NRGs in general as a whole um, for inclusion and diversity is to talk about us, everyone, and all the NRGs because we all have the purpose of making our workplace better. Yeah. Something you said earlier was, you know, that NRG involvement or understanding exposure, education is as important sometimes as the metrics and what we do in our day to day job. So do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Sure. Um as I was thinking about some of the some of the just some of the issues that, that women face in the workplace, um, and my experience with those, um, I was thinking about, you know, like maternity issues like um, you know, like Humana, you know, the times that I've worked down the St. Pete office and here, you know, you've, you've got the nursing stations that are everywhere now for, for, uh, for new mothers who need to nurse, uh, through the, through the day. Um, so one of the things that, um, really jumped out to me is that, um, just like the NRGs and, and some of these other ancillary things that we uh, offer to associates, 
Um, this may take away from their performance uh, duties, but you can't necessarily evaluate folks um, in, in any role on the time that they are in front of their desk. Um, you really need to evaluate and, and hold people accountable for their performance and the metrics. And if that requires um, the folks to be away from their desk to take care of some other things, um, like uh, work with the NRGs or you know any, anything like that, then um, if you just focus on that performance and the metric piece, I think the other stuff will fall in line. Uh, when you think about your daughter and you think about her growing up and potentially working in an environment like this or just in general, you know, what... What do you want for her? What advice do you have for her? You, you weren't supposed to ask me questions you didn't send me in advance. So, um, <laughs> no, no, I, I really think we can um, edit. I really <laughs> will edit. I think the, the one of the biggest roles that I have in her life is to educate her on what her experience is going to be like if these issues aren't solved. Um, and that she needs to know the challenges that face her and what she's up against. And, um, I don't want her to be naive to to the way that um, that women are looked at or treated in society and in the workplace historically. Uh, so I want to try to prepare her for the future that way, um, and then also give her, um, which which I think her and and, and um, her her mother and I do this very well. We talk about historically how things have gotten better, um, but there's still a long way to go. And, and she's only six or five and a half, but. Um, we've been having those conversations with her, you know, from from birth, um, just to make her aware of what challenges she's going to face and then give her the tools necessary to overcome those. Okay. So um, can you offer an example where you have helped perhaps mentor um, someone, uh, a man, when mm-hmm. a situation came up with um, um, the support of being an ally for a female mm-hmm. coworker? Yeah, well, so in, in one of my previous one of my previous roles, um, we did a lot of work with um, with with contracting staff, and we would interface with them on a on a day to day basis. And um, you know all the all the different nuances that go into contractors and things like that. Um, one of my direct reports um, had um, had told me that um, you know that they were kind of treating one of their uh, own staff. Um, in kind of a misogynistic way on um, on a team call that they were having. And so um, we um, I started joining the calls with them, and I noticed that as soon as I got on the calls, their tone, um, the two males that, that we contracted with, their tone completely changed. They were, they were more professional, more respectful, and um, even my, my direct report at the time said, I can't believe the way that that they are um, that they are acting now that we we have like another male that they're interacting with on the call, and um, so I said, well, let's let's try it again. You know, go back to meeting with them without me and see if it changes. And it did not. And so she said, well, should should I be reassigned since they can't work with me? And I said, well, this is not this is not uh, a problem. You know, this is not your problem. This is their problem, and um, we need to have an open and honest conversation with them that um, of the and set and, and set baselines on on how we communicate with each other um, and and that's what we did and you know there's still um, a little bit of a rift there but they really work with her more professionally now and I think even though they do have probably some of those unconscious and conscious biases towards women 
um, I think we kind of move forward and work with them in a better way now. Um, fortunately, we, uh, we, we stopped working with them um, about a year after that conversation. Um, but, um, but I feel like uh, supporting my direct report at the time, uh, letting her know that her concerns were valid, supporting those and letting her know that it's not her problem that these folks interact with her in that way, that it's something that they need to deal with and we need to help them deal with it. Um, um, was was uh, I think the the way to support her in that situation. I, I guess I, I maybe could have handled it differently. I could have been more firm, I think, in retrospect in the way that I did um, address it with them. Um, but um, really just being there to support my staff and, and letting them know that, like I said, these issues are out there and we need to, um, you know, I, we need to let the folks that experience these type of behaviors know that it's not their problem. It is, it's, it's, it's the problem of, of, of who's sending those messages to us. Now, I'm it, sure she completely appreciated mm-hmm. your um, willingness mm-hmm. to teach. Sure. And, well, it just made me think, you know, how we have to go through the uncomfortable sometimes mm-hmm. that, that you could have just said for both you and her, let's make this real easy. Let's just assign someone else to them so that we don't have to deal with this ridiculous behavior. But it's like you had to get uncomfortable and you had to have those conversations to get to the empowerment part. Mm -hmm. So basically, I'm assuming that you felt empowered, she felt empowered, and whether or not they received that message, it's almost a moot point because both you and her were able to say this is unacceptable and we're not going to put up with it. I think it's awesome. Yeah, and I hope that, um, you know, it really depends on the situation. Some instances, depending on on, on, the, on the level of what's going on, it, it may be appropriate to reassign someone, especially if they feel uncomfortable. Oh, for sure, for um, safety or yeah. anything. Yeah, um, and it's always going to be that, that person's choice. Absolutely. Uh, but in this case, she's like, you know, I don't want to back down from them. And I was like, well, I support you. Let's, let's, let's see if we can figure this thing out. And um, and, and it worked out well. Um, and it, you know, really not only improved the, the, the dynamic between the associate and myself, but, uh, then she tells her teammates that she feels supported in these areas and their conversations and it just kind of spreads. Um, so, um, yeah, I thought, um, but, but there are all these, you know, the thing about that is there's so many of these circumstances and situations like that, that go under reporting that nobody ever knows about. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they're, you know, with these unconscious biases, um, people can impact folks uh, that they work with, uh, and, and you may not know it for years. You know, it could be, I mean, it could, it's just kind of a systemic thing, and that's when you open up those conversations and you get folks on board, and you bring in males to work with, with the NRGs, and you get the males to have those conversations with their female exactly. uh, counterparts, uh, you start to kind of dissolve some of those things. As you've been talking, you mentioned um, the unconscious bias aspect. Mm-hmm. Could you f- expand a little bit further on the idea and the topic of what an unconscious bias is? Sure. So it's, the un- unconscious biases are those things that are ingrained in us through the way that we are raised or the way, you know, well, the way we were brought up or the gender roles that we fall into uh, at birth um, that impact the way that we see people who are different from us. So you think about it in terms of 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 gender gender equality um you th- to Tara's point earlier that uh, about the language that we use um you know sometimes we use the term bossy for for women who are strong and in the workplace and um and leaders in the workplace 
um, with it in men, you say, well, that's just a strong leader. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, yes. And and it's it's easy to. It's it's ingrained in um, kind of our, our our DNA. If if you were raised that way and you're not um, you're not um, you're actively looking. It's an educational aspect. Right. Yeah, and so some sometimes we do these things and don't even think twice about them. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, going back to thinking about being empathetic towards everyone else, whether it be women or uh, people of color, uh, is that that they experience society in vastly different ways than I do. Um, even going to the grocery store. For someone, it, they experience those things uh, completely um, different than I do. And you think about all the stuff going on in the news now about um, um, how we interact with with law enforcement and politics and and all that stuff. Um, I I'm very conscious, and I try to be um, as um, well as, as conscious as possible that there are very few people that experience, or there are a lot of people that experience those things the same way I do. Um, and even thinking about um, women in the workplace, and you have um, you have folks that um, that have compounded type things like so, like a, a, a female that is that also is LGBTQ. So you have two different um, worldviews that that interact together. So um, just looking at the way that um, all these things intersect, and and understanding that that no one sees things the same way. Um, is 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 really important in the way that we um, address those unconscious biases, and it, it really you know going back to my social work background, just being empathetic to folks, and it's not bad. I mean that that you all as as females experience things differently. It's not bad. Um, it's just different. It's just exactly. different. Yeah, recognizing mm-hmm. it's different is okay. It's well, right. The other piece too, and this is something I've had to learn over time, is that just because I don't necessarily feel the the bias doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Right. You know what yes. I mean? So mm-hmm. it's so for, for someone to say to another person like, Oh, Brittany, you feel like there's a little prejudice to women in the workplace, that's not that doesn't exist. That doesn't happen. Just because I'm not acknowledging it, it, it exists. It's yeah. everyone's personal reality, the empathy. Mm-hmm. Like you you just have yeah. to be sensitive one's to the fact perception that perception is yeah. one's reality. You can't exactly just, like don't make somebody feel disingenuous or devalue how they're their feeling experience. yes because yeah. they everyone has different shoes they're walking in every day yeah and if you really start paying attention to it you start to notice the little things mm-hmm. uh, you know one of my biggest pet peeves um, is when people start an email that says hey guys oh my goodness yes. i hate <laughs> when uh, when it says when it says hey guys because we're not all guys and um, for uh, on my team, you know, I'm, I, yeah, I, I, most of the department I work for, we are they are, are women, um, and I noticed that that my peers they are very um, intentional about uh, hello ladies and and gentlemen. You know, when they 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 really include me as a different indicator in, in email and communications. So um, you know, I feel like um, when just the language that we use um, can't when you really pick it apart can help you dive deeper into some of those unconscious biases. And being a real good listener because yeah. your emotional intelligence is high mm-hmm. and you can tell that, um, um, that, that you really make an effort and you are, are intentional about the way you support uh, the women in mm-hmm. the workplace and, um, and the, the women that work in your department. And that's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's why we brought them here. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I try, but it's 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 always a learn. There's always something that you know. I mean, even the most well-intentioned people make mistakes. Absolutely. And that's the thing. We we just can't be afraid to talk about those mistakes. But it, we can't be afraid to talk about it. We need to be understanding that we're just human beings trying to figure this all out. Mm-hmm. I think that empathy piece um, and just just the education piece. You're spot on. Do you have any advice for other males that may also be in a relatively how can I phrase this? Um, that may be the minority on their team. So there's more females in their department or on their team. Do you have any advice for them um, about interactions or things to help level the playing field or advice for women as well? Well, you know, we've already kind of spoken about it a little bit is just being intentional about the way that you do things and communicate. Uh, you know, in, in a virtual world that we work with, emails and, and instant messages and texts and all those things, understand how those can be taken um, and, and just really be intentional about the, the things that we send out there. Um, so I think that's probably my biggest piece of advice. I've, you know, starting in a social work um, career uh, for the past 12, 13 years, um, I, I've always been in kind of a female-dominated workplace. Um, and so I'm, I, I don't... I don't know. I would just say, you know, just just be just be a nice person. Be empathetic. Uh, treat people how you would want to be treated yourself. How you would want the women in your life to be treated. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's probably the biggest piece of advice. 